0: Listen to more episodes of this podcast earlier than everybody else and add free when you sign up for Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service that's audience-supported, featuring more than 130 top-tier educational creators focusing on making content for you and not for an algorithm. Sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv conversationswithjoe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. Hey everybody and welcome to the Answers with Joe podcast. This is Joe Scott and today I am so excited to be sharing this interview with you I did with Isaac Arthur. Now most of you guys who watch my channel know exactly who Isaac is but I'm going to give him a quick intro anyway. He runs the Science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur channel. He's been on YouTube really for not that long, for about a year and a half or so, and his videos are just super crazy in-depth looks at really interesting science and technology topics, usually looking far into the future, into megastructures and space colonization. If you nerd out on sci-fi and big megastructure, alien type concepts, you're gonna love everything that Isaac Arthur does. I want to tell a quick story about how I discovered Isaac's channel. I was doing a video on the Matryoshka Brain concept and I often will look around and find videos with cool graphics that can help to tell what I'm trying to uh, get across to people and in doing so I ran across a video of his that I believe was actually on the the Kardashev scale and In his video he was talking about the Matryoshka Brain. He was going into how each shell of the Matryoshka Brain, as it went out, would get a certain amount less energy from the star, and he had it all broken down into the math and the physics and everything. And I was just absolutely blown away that somebody had actually put that much thought into this idea. And all of his videos are like that. I immediately became a fan and after a while we wound up contacting each other. We did a collaboration about nine months ago and I believe when I did that he may have actually had a slightly smaller channel than I did. But now his channel is well over 100,000 subscribers, way bigger than mine, and understandably so. He does a fantastic job breaking down these very complex topics and it's always a treat to, to watch his stuff. So when I started to get into doing this podcast, that was one of the first people I wanted to talk to just because he and I had exchanged emails, but we'd never actually spoken in person. And I just thought this would be a really fun person to talk to. And sure enough, that's exactly what we got here. So it goes a little long. I'm going to give you a little fair warning right now. It goes a little bit over an hour, but I didn't want to really cut much out because we we talked about a lot of cool stuff and I thought he had a lot of great things to say. We do talk a little bit of shop Talk about what it's like being on YouTube and how he does what he does. I just wanted to pick his brain because he puts out 30 to 40 minute videos every week, which is absolutely insane. But we also talked about things involving sci-fi and how sci-fi and art and science work together to help each other out. We talked about the Fermi paradox, we talked about cyborgs and alien technology, life that we could find in the solar system, the AI fears that we all have about the computers taking over and how he believes that that's a little bit unfounded, and just an interesting conversation about whether or not he he considers himself an optimist, because... To look ahead as far as he does into some of these concepts and think that these are actually things that we could do someday takes a little bit of a level of optimism, and I thought that was an interesting conversation. But really quickly before I share that with you, this podcast is brought to you by cankerboy.com. If you have recurring canker sores and mouth ulcers, you've heard me talk about this before. This is a a once-a-day pill that helps get rid of it. It helps support this channel. It really does work, and you have a risk-free two-month trial. So if it doesn't work or if baby arms start growing out of your head, you will get your money back. And I am happy to say nobody has ever had baby arms growing out of their head because of this pill. It was actually out of their neck no that didn't happen anyway cankerboy.com. check it out okay i've rambled on with this interview long enough it's time for me to share with you ladies and gentlemen my interview with isaac arthur it says futurism science and futurism right there in the name of your youtube channel but what do you tell people when they don't know anything about your youtube channel What what do you tell them
1: that you do science and futurism it keeps it pretty simple uh, I was joking um, recently They you know, I, I need to change my business card. And I have no idea what to put on there. And I was saying I could go with a professional CEO or Oracle. I'm right 51% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's always a problem with the uh, predictions. I, I like to watch the old vintage uh, 1950s uh, in the future type things they do. Mm-hmm. You know, in the future, mountain, uh, where, you know, uh, hover cars and moon bases, right? Always a good way to remind yourself to be very humble when trying to predict what's going to happen even 10 years from now, let alone two, three centuries from now, because you're almost guaranteed to be wrong. Though the upside is if you're right about anything, people will remember it later on and credit to you completely. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: They will they will remember the, the, the mistakes and the big swings and misses. Now there was one that I did a while back. Uh, I don't even remember what the subject was about anymore, but I, I started it off by talking about this guy from France back around the turn of the century who did this whole series of illustrations of what the world was going to be like in the year 2000. And it was stuff like people rode whales to work on, on the ocean and, and they flew around. It was just so bizarre. And, and one of the things that kind of struck me was how predictions of the future are a lot more reflective of the time that they're made in than the actual future
1: themselves. That's, that's very true. You know, when a lot of people, when they're thinking about technology, they are thinking about how can this, uh, how can this make my life better? What do I want to do? which is actually a good approach for technology because that's what it's for, right? But, you know, those changing times, you know, whether in the 70s, everything they showed for the future was always in tinfoil and uh, spandex. And uh, (laughs) times change looks a bit, uh, a little bit uh, cheesy nowadays or campy. But what's what's amusing to me often is a lot of shows like the Jetsons or Futurama often Mm -hmm. seem to nail it on the head better through satire that a lot of the ones try to be very serious about what's going to happen in the next 20 years we'll get. So, yeah. And I think that's, you know, obviously they're not aiming for very extreme accuracy so you never hold against them when they miss it. But uh, they do seem to have a better track record in many cases. So,
0: Well, and people are saying that about idiocracy now. I, you
1: know, I actually haven't seen that yet. So it's, it's oh, you really something. haven't seen it? No. I guess I it's only,
0: sort of sci-fi? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I only got around to watching Rick and Morty uh, last year after I, I had like Six or seven people tell me I need to watch the show in one week. And then just by coincidence, it was on the television when uh, I was meeting up with my best friend and his wife for uh, dinner, And I got hooked on the show. Went home and binge watched the entire thing when I got back. So. But, that's, uh, actually, no.
0: that's the same is uh, true for me. I just got into it, I don't know, maybe six months ago or so. We, we got Hulu. And it was on Hulu, and I was like, everybody keeps telling me about this show, and I watched one of them, and the next thing you know, I'm three seasons into it, you
1: know. Oh, sure. It's it's a great show. I mean, obviously, um, you know, um, it's pokes a lot of things we cover, you know, we've both done simulation hypothesis before they they play with it. That's one of those fun concepts to play with, but they have a nice uh, nice take on that, and uh, especially the, well, I think they've done it twice, but, but the little Google box, power boxes in season two. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm way behind on a lot of my other sci-fi, though. It's, it surprises me I have even caught up with all the Marvel movies. It's, the problem is that I usually only like to have new things where I don't have anything going on. And if I'm busy, I do reruns. So I'll listen to an old audiobook or uh, you know, put on Doctor Who from the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, not the new stuff. So mm-hmm. I think there's a new Doctor now. I gather there's a, somebody replacing the current person, Peter Capaldi, who I've seen like two episodes for. So
0: <laughs> Probably yeah, it was, it was all over Facebook yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's a woman this time.
1: Yeah, I heard. I heard there was there was yeah. some some scandal about that, uh, but I think they've been playing something like that there for a while. So
0: yeah, it seems like the last couple. I got into Doctor Who for a while, and kind of like what you just said, I just kind of fell off the. I don't think I saw any of this last season,
1: not for any reason. I just, you know. no, it's it's always a good show, but it's you know some people are very big fans. Uh, I've always been a, I was a very big Tom Baker fan, the you know the oh. old Doctor from the seventies. Uh, was actually like the fourth, but the others, I enjoy them, but not as much, not as much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Saturday Night Live, whatever cast you grew up with, that's your favorite. Yeah, Dennis Miller them. is, and, uh, you know, uh, oh, I can't remember his name right now. He's actually a senator, um, Al Franken. Dennis okay. Miller and Al Franken are like the two I always remember the most from that, and, uh, you know, I, I don't even know who's on the show now, <laughs> so,
2: yeah.
1: you know, occasionally catch like the opening monologue or skit and then go to out to something else. <laughs> so you, you read a lot of sci-fi though right I actually listen to a lot of sci-fi but yeah I read a lot of sci-fi I, I got to be an audiobook junkie when I was about 12 and uh, that's my preferred intake method because I can you know do other things while I'm doing it but yeah I, I've uh, impressively expensive library <laughs> <laughs> so the years go by you start noticing all the money you spend on books and think to yourself hmm <laughs> But uh, no, I, I probably would say that I've spent uh, more time reading sci-fi than science textbooks, which has uh, spent a fair amount of time on those too. And uh, it is a lot of the ideas that we look at, um, you know, they do emerge there. There's like this feedback loop. Uh, you got mm-hmm. the, the basic research in science, it catches someone's eye and they do a story about it or they do a, a painting or something like that with it. And that feeds back in and gets somebody looking at it and going, wow, what a fun idea this is. And then they go into research on it, come with a new idea. So you get a good, um, you know, there's always a tendency to separate art from science. Like there's two separate fields that shouldn't even be near each other. But I think there's a really good feedback loop on that that's, uh people should spend more time on.
0: No, I like that. I like what you that. Yeah, I agree totally. Because uh, I don't know if you know, but my my background was a, uh, as a filmmaker, as a screenwriter and a filmmaker. And so... Um, this channel just kind of became a science thing over time because a couple of my science ones took off and so i started getting more questions like that and i've always been a little oh,
1: course, nerdy. it right. that that was the uh, fully paradox episode so, yeah uh, yeah uh, that was one of your ones that did really well yeah you know, Matthew, a couple of days ago did well too so and uh but um yeah, it's always interesting what takes off with these you know sometimes you do a video you're thinking this one you know would need to be done it's a good topic but not gonna be too popular and that's when it explodes yeah well, it was like <laughs> this is the best i've ever written and and why is it not getting views? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so, yeah.
0: the one that i did last monday i think i said on email we did didn't really perform as well as i'd hoped and and i actually before i released it i i tweeted out that um i was making the mistake of getting excited about it because yeah. cause whenever I get, whenever I'm like really into a, a subject and I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. I'm learning stuff that I didn't know before and I'm making some connections I never really thought of before. And
1: I'm real fast on that. <sighs> and you know, I, I, that happens to me sometimes if I go outside of my wheelhouse of physics is if I start touching on something that's biology or chemistry, I have to spend so much time double checking it all yeah. that, uh, you know, it kind of eats into the script writing time. So mm. um, and you cover almost everything. So that's, that's got to be a heavy amount of research on each of these. So. And that just it sucks up time, you know. If you got check stuff, so.
0: Yeah. Well, I I I, I got to do a little bit of shop talk for you or with you here for a second, because I mean, yeah, I do a video every week. You do a video every week. My videos are around ten minutes, and yours can go forty or or, or longer, even I've seen.
1: Uh, I'd like to keep them short on that these days. I promised myself I'd never go for an hour again. I've kept to that. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I managed to stay under forty. For all but a couple of videos, I'd like to keep them 25 minutes. It's kind of my target, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, you write to you write to the material you, when you're done with what you gotta say. If you can trim a few bits out, that's good. But uh, you know, it's the nice thing about this format is we don't have to do the 43 minutes uh, time window for like television mm-hmm. or uh, you know even films, right? You go with full Peter Jackson length, and you know no one's gonna stick around <laughs> the audience, right? Right. So you got you got to have the right length on these things, but. We have a lot more flexibility because we don't have to hold to a schedule around commercials. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, typically speaking, the script is always the hardest part. You know, uh, for me, the most boring part is editing the audio afterwards. So.
0: <laughs> well, so now I, I would just love to find out or, or talk a little bit about how you schedule all this because I know you're a lot more regimented and, and you're always talking about like this is coming up next week. Usually, I'm just like. I Um, guess I'll do this now,
1: you know. OCD about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Well, you would have to be. Uh, You know, it's always about what's your, um, you know, how do you go about the approach, right? Everyone's got a different creative style. Mine, I have to stick to it being a little bit on the regimented side or I can get sidetracked really easily. So I give myself, uh, you know, I'll say this weekend is when the script gets done. And whether it's (laughs) one draft or 12, you know, it's done. I go to sleep when it's done and then if it's, you know, if it's crappy at that point in time, and I've had this happen once or twice, stick it on the back or grab another topic off the top of nowhere, do that one instead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you got, you know, you got to manage that very effectively if you're going to try to do those kind of lengths, because once you commit to a script, you know, on something that's going to be, you know, seven, eight thousand words, mm. you can't rewrite that too many times, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing for those kinda of like the videos you've gotta have that regimented style. So um uh but ultimately when you're doing like podcasting, you know, we can just talk for an hour, no problem, you know? Yeah. But it varies.
0: So I've been trying to lighten the load on myself a little bit. I, I feel
1: I feel I'm like, like a slacker. Say what now? No we're supposed to ask for advice on that.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not asking for advice necessarily, but I'm, I'm just saying like I feel like a slacker when I'm doing ten minute videos and I'm talking to you and I'm like, I can't get this out in time. But
1: yeah. um I would- the factor, I mean it's a you know, a matters, right? But uh the ones that are twice as long don't take me twice as long to write or make. It's uh you know, you can go long, you can go shorter. If you think about when you've done videos that were shorter or longer, they didn't really take, you know, a proportional amount of time. Mm. Uh, Sometimes the longer ones are actually shorter, because you're not trying to cut stuff out of them or, or you know compact stuff together. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, I guess it's it's just you know where are you focus your time. You know, like, look like Hollywood, they do a two-hour movie, It takes a thousand people a year to make it. Yeah, um, and so it's just where where is the time going, and you know how much time are you spending on pieces of it? Um, yeah.
0: Well, I try. Okay, I was about to say a second ago, but when I've been trying to take it a little bit easier on the scripting part and let myself just kind of uh, maybe outline a a, a video and then just kind of talk a little bit more kind of freestyle. But um, those videos go way longer. It's actually a lot shorter when I script them out because I think more about what each word is and I'm more, you know, efficient with my language and everything. Um, So, and, and I've tried, you have some, you
1: have some volunteers, don't you? You got a little team around. I rounded some up about two months back. It's made my life a lot easier. It hasn't saved me any time. But made- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my own fault is there are areas where we could save time if I turn some things over to them, but I'll just end up spending that time on other aspects. Instead. Yeah. Um, but that's been a great joy to have all those volunteers helping out with that. And most of them they can only give you like maybe an hour a week or something like that. But It helps, and uh, a lot of times it helps just having people there to watch the product before it goes out to look at the script and say, you know, this paragraph here makes no sense to me at all. And you can look at that and say, okay, I need to either make this simple or wow, that weekly is complete garbage. Let me cut this and rewrite it. You know,
0: Uh,
1: that's a great thing to have on hand. Um,
0: Well, I've been uh, trying to get a group of at least fact checkers together because. I don't know if you saw, but I did the super capacitor video the other day, and I got something horribly oh, not wrong. Oh,
1: charging, yeah, crucified
0: that's... for it, and so that—that's the funny thing. It's like I, I try to compare it. Not that I compare myself to Bruce Lee, but they—they they used to say that Bruce Lee. People used to always challenge him to fights because they wanted to say that they beat up Bruce Lee. Um, and I'm not comparing myself to him so much, but I kind of feel like that a little bit with my channel. That since I have this channel called Answers with Joe, and I, I talk about smart subjects, I guess you know people feel like oh i gotta catch every little mistake that you make um, and everything and they gotta jump in the comments and get me and i'm like oh come on just give me a break exactly
1: <laughs> no. i mean you know we all gonna make mistakes in these i had one last week where i was cutting and pasting some text for a couple of examples of a black hole power generator and i forgot to change the masks on that easy stupid mistake to make and i didn't catch it on um, any of the occasions i was looking at the video because you, know, you look at your own content your brain just kind of oh yeah out. yeah um, those are gonna happen in these videos. Um, you know, I've had some ones that were just straight factuals and I hate they don't let you do annotations on YouTube anymore, because now oh, I have time to kills comment, me. comment on you know, you, yeah. can't, you put a little fix there where you put something completely backwards, it was just a typo and, and it's day off forever now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly the problem that I had with that uh, the supercapacitor video. If I could have put an, an annotation up there,
1: yeah, that would have
0: solved the problem, but
1: although you know a lot of people would still leave comments on things like that anyway because they're just not paying much attention. Sure, mistakes happen. You know, you try to fix it when you can, and it's frustrating with YouTube now that you can't uh, can't do anything about it. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, both because it is a little bit embarrassing having a mistake, but also because you know they will give people factual information it's supposed to be correct. And so when it's not, you kind of want to fix it. And those are going to happen no matter how much you fact check your stuff in advance. You're going to have that happen. Yeah. Even textbooks that have been through 50 professors reviewing it are still going to have, you know, errata on page two to be fixed in the next edition.
0: <laughs> That's true. So I've been trying to like use those sort of not as teachable moments or anything, just kind of be like, um, Cause I never claim to be an expert in anything. I'm totally not. So, so I, I'm like, if I get corrected on something, I could do a live stream and talk about that and say, Hey, somebody pointed this out and I learned this, that's cool. isn't it? you know, I mean, I think my viewers like that. I don't, I was going to ask what, what your super fans are like, if they're just really just super into the details and, and nerdy and hardcore about it or.
1: very. Many of them are almost as bad as me. I think I'm like the king of king of geeks though. So that's, that's, you know, <laughs> I know if I claim a ten out of ten score on my geekdom, but pretty close. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I do have an audience that tends to tends to go in for that. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, they they're usually pretty good about catching things. Um, you know, I'll occasionally get notes or corrections on stuff. Uh, I actually, had one from uh, I did the episode on the Loftstrom loops, the launch loops, and uh, mm. the fellow who designed those back in the uh, early '80s sends me an email, a note saying. Uh, I love the video. Let me make a couple of corrections on this here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Twelve he was,
0: paragraphs later.
1: Well, no, he actually opened up a web page for it as part of his main thing, discussing the video. Oh. Uh, and he was he was very, uh, very, you know, spoke very well. In the episode, of course, but uh, yeah, you know, I was very really happy about that. Good guy to talked to. But um, you know, you, you can get experts on there who are going to give you corrections, and you have to you have to you know swallow your pride and say yes, they absolutely know this better than i do so yeah. mm-hmm. um but you just you know you try to do your best to minimize the mistakes and uh keep an ear open for when people in the comments you know grab something uh hopefully it's just a typo and sometimes they'll think you're wrong you will turn out you're not Those mm-hmm. are always good because it means people are paying attention uh and pointing out they feel comfortable doing that but in this case fortunately you weren't wrong you don't have to have that had no you. But no, I mean, mistakes are just going to happen on this kind of setup. You know, it's just the nature of it. Yeah. If we had the huge crews and casts like uh, they used to have for PBS or Cosmos, maybe we'd have mostly none of those. But even then, I'm sure it happens occasionally.
0: So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you call yourself the king of the geeks. <laughs> I don't usually call myself that, actually, but it's probably accurate enough.
0: Well, it, it's, it's been documented forever now. So that's that's your new name. Uh what what kind of topics get you the geekiest? Like, what, what kind of things do you get most excited and interested in?
1: You know, to be honest, my favorite topic is actually the mega structural series. Just uh, what are these huge things we can build around? Um, that was the first episode I did, too. Um, but uh, I think that what I tend to spend more time on is probably the foamy paradox, just because there was so much discussed there beyond just the, uh, the question of where all the aliens are at is. Kind of the mindset of the approach of why would this set of circumstances actually occur? You, know, you try to dissect, you know, we don't have any information at all. We have nothing to work with, right? We have a sample um, size of one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what can we determine from this? And what can we not determine? What can we kind of close off and say, these solutions, nah, these other ones, a little bit better. And, um, you know, the only one I found that I really liked was the one I did, uh, it was my second video it was the Dyson Lemma. I didn't like the theory at all. Just works, it works very well. I hate it, but it does seem to not have any big holes. Um, I've always, you know, growing up on sci-fi, kind of wanted to think there were aliens a hundred light years away from us who we could uh, meet and shake hands with. And the idea that there were probably none in the galaxy at all has always kind of bugged me a bit. But it does seem, you know, no Santa Claus, no leprechauns, and no fun summits with aliens from right next door. You know, that's just the way that works out. Maybe we'll run, but eh, you know, maybe somebody's at the North Pole too.
0: <laughs> so the Dyson Dilemma, that's the, the idea that we can't see any of the aliens because they've all created Dyson swarms around their
1: stars, right? Mm, close. Uh, the idea is that because we can't see any of those Dyson spheres and we would be able to and we expect them to build them, the absence of them indicates nobody's, nobody's there at all. You know, uh, We would expect them to build them and because we don't see it, it's kind of like somebody says, uh, there's a civilization here in this desert. They say, we ought to be able to see this from far away. It's like, you know, well, we can't hear them talking because they're not lying next to us. So, well, that's fine, but where are the skyscrapers? Where are the tilled fields, right? Mm-hmm. Civilizations leave a lot of marks behind of their existence, and we know kind of where they should be aiming to go based on what we know about science now. And when we don't see any, any marks that indicate that, you know, that you can draw two conclusions. One is that uh, we just have a completely wrong set of assumptions, which is entirely possible, and mm-hmm. that's nothing new, science changes on us every century, right? <laughs> or two is that the reason we don't see them is they just don't exist. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't really make an argument based on saying anything's possible because that doesn't get you anywhere. Else. So we can always say in another century or two, science will probably be completely different than we know now, but if you can't say what it's likely to be, you know, I'd rather make a prediction based on good deductive evidence and be wrong, then just, uh, you know, twiddle the thumbs and go, eh.
0: <laughs> right. Also, my, my thought on on that kind of thing is, isn't that a little bit, maybe the term is anthropomorphizing, where we're kind of assuming that aliens oh, are the same absolutely. thinking that we do?
1: Yeah. We, you know, we have to anthropomorphize. We even have the anthropic principle for that. Right. By, what's the case size one? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But a lot about you know, us is uh, we can look at other animals and say some of these behaviors, you know, they've got them too, and they've got them for a reason. We've got ours for a reason. It doesn't necessarily have to be universal, right? Mm-hmm. But all of our behaviors that are relevant to these kind of things, none of them are so strange that we wouldn't expect them to be pretty normal. So there might be some species out there who would never think to do this stuff. They might even be the majority, but if there's just one. You know, if they're not freak anomalies. Then, then we should see these kind of evidence of them, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if 99 people out of 100 hide, that's great, but if one of them gets out there with a megaphone, you know, you're gonna see a mini rat, you know?
0: Well, see, now that, that disturbs me a little bit, the idea that um, we're looking at universal behaviors amongst animals, because I saw a video the other day of a bird literally like pecking another bird, like pecking the other bird's brain out. Nature, nature is a nightmare.
1: Nature and, is not a kind place. Yeah.
0: And yeah, and I mean, like, we definitely have our warlike tendencies, and if that's a universal thing, then that does not bode well. I don't think.
1: One of the most common things we get with with things like discussion of the Fermi paradox is people tend to project their own utopia, you know, concept onto the potential aliens. Yeah. Um, and the most common comment we get from people is humans aren't very rational. You know, we shouldn't expect the aliens to be more rational than us. And the thing that people need to keep in mind is. Humans can be irrational at times, but we are the most rational creatures on this planet. And uh, you know, doesn't say a lot, but it's yeah. still the case. You know, yeah. uh, maybe uh, forced out of the, out of the worst case scenario is we are still the most logical species on the planet. Um, and uh, we have no particular reason to assume that would be different with other civilizations. Um, plus, what a lot of people tend to think of as being very logical behavior uh, often is not. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like watching old Star Trek episodes where you know, Spock says this, so they encounter the, uh, the robot, it's very logical. I say, you know, I don't see that. Your logic kind of sucks. It was not very good logic you had there. You know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you always have to work out those base assumptions, right? Every belief system, every thought process has base assumptions. And at least for organic base life, we can draw a couple. They're going to be survival oriented. They're going to be curious, right? Because mm-hmm. they're never going to get technology otherwise. And that is the one advantage we have there is they'll probably be a little bit more like us than they would be like us, would be like some artificial intelligence we built. Not, you know, not coming in there with those survival motivations from day one. They evolved them same as we did and artificial intelligence could be absent of those completely. Such being the case, it might act completely differently. It might think it's, it's uh, you know, big best goal in life is to turn the entire universe into people clips. You know? Mm-hmm call it papal clip optimizer that's what that one was yeah um, you don't know what's going to do because it doesn't have any evolutionarily based motivations right that's um
0: that's I, why i think that if we if we, ever, if we ever do actually communicate or connect or meet any alien species i think they're probably going to be a species that evolved beyond their biological cells it'll probably be a mechanical.
1: I tend to figure almost everybody who gets out in the space is at least somewhat of a cyborg, but <laughs> I would bet in most cases, you know, if you go tw- you know, to the 23rd century and you ask somebody, are you a human or a cyborg? They say, how could you even ask that? Of course I'm a human. You know, but, uh, you know, just like with us, we would never think to say, you know, I'm a cyborg or I've got some feelings that makes me a cyborg. Right. I imagine even if they have very little to do with us biologically anymore, they'd still call themselves humans. So I'd imagine a lot of the aliens we encounter would probably tend to have a bit of the same thing. You know? yeah. That's always hard to say. They might go the exact opposite way and say, I don't want to be eating like what we used to be. You know? yeah. If they stick to that basic biological template, even if they're doing add-ons, we can still make some guesses about their behavior. If they don't, though, we can at least make the assumption they probably opted to be very logical, in which case we might be able to guess their behavior, too.
0: Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I think that they would have to be a certain, of a certain mindset to be able to do the science and, you know, do the technology to get to, to that point.
1: And I mean, it's always a statistics game. You know, there, there could be a species out there that just blundered into technology, even though they have no sense of curiosity at all. <laughs> but you would expect them to be, you know, not the norm. They are the exception that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, the odds of us bumping into them first are fairly small
0: yeah so one of my favorite topics has been and and this is because i've been talking about exoplanets and planet stuff in the last couple of videos but yeah well the, the idea i guess is the strong anthropic principle is the one that says that the universe was kind of designed for life is that right
1: yeah. fine tuning with this strong anthropic principle is, is the idea that uh, well i mean there's, there's two ways you can take that um, i usually like to go a third way on that myself but the, the two usual ones is either a only in a universe where you could have intelligent life could you notice how fine-tuned yours is mm-hmm. so we just happen to be in one of many possible universes and this one can support life the uh the alternative view of course is that there are not all these alternative universes as this fine-tuned there's got to be signs of a tutor right so we designed it um i tend to find both arguments just to touch on the weak side though it's like it's it's reaching for it's it's you know, what you want to be true. And I've heard people from both sides of the building show something and say, This is proof of my point. And say, Well, the other guys say it's proof of their point, too. And they're reason- <laughs> The very same
0: thing is the proof for both of them.
1: Um, the universe has a lot of properties that, if they were significantly different, uh, would make life a lot less probable. But it, I can also think of ways it could be more probable. You know, the universe has some constants that, if we tweak them just a little bit, might work better. And so I would tend to think that it's one of those things where you know um, there are probably factors of play we don't know. I would say Earth's gravity is just right for humans, and Earth's air pressure is just right for humans right and uh, those two you know if they were just a little bit different, it's just one of them was a little bit different. we wouldn't be alive and say this is quite true, but those two are not unrelated, and they're not that improbable. all air pressure is pretty strongly based off all mass and gravity mm-hmm. um, and so uh you know we can say. The odds of us being on a planet with this gravity are this, so the odds of being on one with this atmosphere was this, and the odds of both, you know, exponentially tiny. But not so much, you know? It's improbable, but not as much as we think. I just don't think we know enough yet to say it's uh, you know, the odds of this universe supporting life are one in the one hundred and twentieth, I think was the last figure I saw on that, but you know, it's a kind of nub was pulled out of the hat when they do that anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: But, you know, freakishly improbable, you know. Any time you can only represent a number with scientific notation, very improbable. You know.
0: <laughs> well, I I just kind of keep looking at all the very specific things that had to happen on on our planet. Oh yeah. Very specific chemistry, and I mean the fact that the the moon was created in just the right way to cause the core to spin and give us this magnetic field, and all. I mean. Topic
1: it, for this week's video.
0: <laughs> oh really? Well, so I mean. I, Again, with the the vast numbers of planets that are supposed to be out there, I mean, it's it is a numbers game, and you can assume that at some point something else would happen. But what gets me interested is if they could find even microbial life on Mars, Europa, or something like that. If it could happen twice in one solar system,
1: got I would not. I, I don't expect to find life elsewhere in the solar system, but I wouldn't be that surprised either if we found you know uh, extinct lichen on Mars or. Uh, you know, little whales underneath Europa, I would be surprised, but not that surprised. You know, it'd be one of those things where well, I wasn't expecting it, but yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised to find life inside, you know, a few hundred light years of us on many examples. Um, I would be surprised if we didn't find life anywhere else in this galaxy. But a place like Mars is not going to develop a technological civilization. Right. We can put together weird ways it might happen, but you know, you know, we'll say a lot of plants are covered in water, no land at all. How do they develop technology without file. And we can put together weird ways they could do that. But you know, we discovered file what, a million years ago, I think is the, you know, how long before we got around to doing metal or ceramics? <laughs> we used it every day. Yeah. every day and they, they, they sat around the things the whole time and it took them that long with it there all the time before someone said you know I, I think we could make some of this clay into some pots and this metal is much sharper than these rocks and um, you know so you think about maybe they come across an electric eel deep down underneath the water they use that to power their civilization <laughs> uh, one techn- big electric eel <laughs> yeah. It just powers a whole underwater city. So you can put together examples of that, but one has to always remember, you know, technology is very native to us because we were raised inside it. It's all civilization.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It isn't if you don't see it. I mean, you know, the guys like Thomas Edison, I can explain to you how to make one of those old school record players in 10 minutes. It's easy concept. When you've seen it, you know, until right. then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think with a lot of those things, yes, we could throw together some hypothetical way of life, got tomorrow's, and build a civilization, but odds are not favorable. So the universe might be covered in organic life that's pretty simple, but might be almost completely absence of technological civilizations. And, uh, you know, just try to figure out why that might be. That's the really hard part. Um, So, you know, you might have a million worlds just in this little bubble of ours that all have life on them, and not one of them ever got a brain.
0: (laughs) True. So have you ever talked about the singularity in any of your videos?
1: The technological singularity? Yeah. Yeah. Have we you- did an episode on that one. Well, I want to say way back, but... Uh... Back when when both was combined, but I had ten thousand subscribers between the two of us. So Why episodes from like only last last year? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> which is ridiculous, by the way. The growth that you've had is just insane. Well, oh, right?
1: we both had a big boom. Uh, I mean, because you know, I, I I remember we when we did the uh, the last few, our channel was a lot smaller than it used to. It yeah. was like nine months ago. Um, but uh, I can't complain about the growth. Um, but yeah, we did an episode on technological singularities and. I think what I focused on there was not so much the idea of whether or not it could happen, but this inevitability that people get. Again, it's so it's one of those things where, seeing the possibility of the technology, they kind of jump uh, through a lot. You know, there's a lack of understanding about some of the problems, and so they just kind of assume they're going to be, you know, uh, fixed and covered. Mm. Artificial intelligence not that easy, you know. Yeah. Um, making it smaller than a human, I think people just figure you, know, you plug in more chips, it's going to work, but. Fundamentally, it's not a hardware issue, it's a software issue, you know. Right. If we knew how to make people smarter, uh <laughs> we would probably do that, you know. <laughs> and so the assumption is here comes this computer and it's smaller than us. We've designed a smarter computer than a human. And we've spent, you know, billions of dollars on research and hardware and thrown our best minds, thousands of at this problem, and finally we have a brain smaller than a human. And the problem the singularity issue has is they turn right around and say, and now that brain can automatically five minutes from now build a better brain than itself. Mm. Say, so, okay, well, good luck on that. We, we spent 10,000 years of formal education <laughs> trying to figure out how to do that, and there were a lot more of us. So, you know, um, the idea that they just got this accelerating curve, it's kind of cherry picking data off Moore's law and other things, you know. Mm. Uh, everybody expects computers to get faster. It would be almost insane to say they wouldn't, but, you know, kind of plateauing out a bit as we we get closer and closer to the atomic scale. And um, I don't see any reason why you could not make a human intelligence mind Ohio. Uh, It's just that I don't see this kind of thing they always have going on. And I never see it being just one machine in a lab somewhere that turns on and it's, you know, in God mode. Sentient all of a sudden. Dozens of these things out there that are almost as good and, you know, if you've got a problem with what he's going crazy, you turn to one of the others and say, how do we fix this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's not going to just be that one versus everybody else. And um, yeah. at least I hope not.
0: So you um, think the, the fears that Elon Musk has been putting out there lately and even, I guess Stephen Hawking was talking about it yeah. too.
1: A little bit over the top. Over the top, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, you know, you don't want to replicate Hollywood science. Um, isn't something you can <laughs> talk about. Yes, it absolutely is, but uh, yeah, that's what it is. If you're dealing with a computer that is that, um, they, you know, they turn to the boogeyman There's no way to kill them. You know, uh, they subscribe them. Sorry, subscribe them various properties that basically make them undefeatable. If those are real and they should actually happen, there's nothing to worry about because you're going to lose. You know, it's like <laughs> if How do we survive an Don't worry alien? About it, you're dead. You know, how do you survive an alien invasion right now? Uh, Pray you know, or, or ask them to not kill you. That's about it. They're, <laughs> they're going to win. You know? yeah. it's not going to be a contest. The kind of AI we see there, um, you know, they're always going to. Right? But, but part of it, though, is psychological. Is They do become boogeymen and people think there's no way to contain one once you make it. Well, if you've built one inside a Faraday cage that has no access to the robotic tools outside that and you're monitoring all the time, how's it going to escape and, and destroy the world? You know? Yeah. And, you know you maybe can cover the way it could but you're kind of turning into a freddy Krueger or jason Voorhees of that point. <laughs> you know and, the, the hard drive in the computer goes chi, 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 chi. right yeah well that was actually one of the ways what the guys suggested is if it's got a laser and it's got a hard drive maybe it can use that laser precisely to to make some 3d replicating robots out of the hard drive i said well You'd be like a 3D printer and it's using its own hard drive to print on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, then <laughs> don't give it that kind of hard drive. You know? um, yeah, just
0: uninstall it. No, uh, I've been having a thought about, I never really talked about this in a video or anything, I don't think, but about the, the singularity is something that kind of redefining it in my own mind anyway. I'm not saying anybody else is thinking about it this way, but like the, we're kind of living through it right now and have been for a while. It's more like a geologic. Mm-hmm time kind of thing you know I mean like ever since the industrial age and we started harnessing the power of steam and petrols and stuff like that that the you know we've kind of been on this this curve and there is definitely a you know an accelerating return there but um when when people talk about it being like this big whiz bang moment I'm kind of like no I think we're in it right now it's just it's happening slowly and, and you know we just adjust to things so quickly like you know Fifteen years ago, the idea of walking out of my house without a phone and having a panic attack because I didn't have my phone on me would sound ridiculous. But that's exactly yeah, what would cool happen cell now.
1: Phone, uh, Fifteen years ago, and uh, you know, it was it was a very new thing at the time. Um, but for all that, those have had a huge impact on our lives. is not really changed. You know, some things are more or less the same. Um, and, and when you think about the yeah. accelerating curve when we extrapolate on it, you go back in time and say, okay, well, we've made a lot of progress since the eighteen hundreds you say, well, you know, we actually had a lot since Rome fell. And then you say, well, you know, since we learned agriculture, that was pretty fast progress. And when you look at when we first learned fire, that's a short time compared to how old the planet is. Yeah. So you do yeah. get this accelerating curve, cool, but you got to be careful the, you know, not to cherry pick because some of it is, what has actually been causing these speed-ups? We say, oh, Moore's law. It's not a law in that sense that it actually <laughs> has to happen, right? right. What has changed? What's, what's been going on? And when you think about it, it's not ever been happening because there's an assumption on something like that that you are getting a big return each time for the same amount of effort. How many people since the 1960s uh, have gone into computer science? How much money is there invested in that research? That's been going up. You know, <laughs> and if you start looking at the amount of people working on, the amount of research working out, the amount of countries and industrial bases since the 1960s, that's where the acceleration is coming from we have put resources in there. Um, mm. You know, even with a lot of the uh, industrial revolution stuff, the population is bigger than it used to be. And the part that's free to walk on technology uh, is bigger than it used to be. And the part that can actually afford to buy technology. So, you know, the population may have gone up tenfold, but we can throw a hundred times as many people at it as we used to. So how much of that is actual resource? Um, know, you know, that's all these additional resources we've thrown at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, that's kind well, of like
0: thinking. the space race was a Cold War thing, you know, because yeah. we just desperately wanted to beat the other guys. We put all these resources into it. And-
1: the Manhattan Project, yeah, it was, this was something we thought was very important and we put a lot of effort into it. I and mean, you, know, you can't just throw money or resource at it and expect to get solved. But generally speaking, that, that does work. It, it, helps.
0: <laughs> it helps a little bit. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, so you know, often the technology we were most fascinated with and pay attention to for these kind of Moore's Laws cases are exactly the ones that we have for that same reason than pouring people into you know it's yeah. like, where are we going to take our best minds and throw them at this, you know and they' just, just we are going to solve this by sheer brute force, essentially, yeah. um, a clever brute force, but it's still what it is. Um, and that's why with things like technological singularities, you know that's why we have the accelerating curve on the computers we make. When you make Bob that first computer who uh, you know is smaller than a human. Where exactly is his team? No, he's got to go make a hundred other bobs to look at the problem and say, here's so how we're going to make generation two. You know? Yeah. No time on that. But if you're just you extrapolating off of what humans have been doing, it's a false analogy. Could happen, but I don't see it. You know, it's it just seems to be like, if it's right, it's by accident. You know?
0: Well, that That's a very good point. So I had a thought. I wanted to run by you. Um... I guess I was watching one of your videos the other day, probably kind of getting ready for this, but um, do you consider yourself an optimist?
1: I've been, I usually think of myself as being very pragmatic and realistic, but I've been told I'm very optimistic too. So, Well,
0: the reason I ask that is because sometimes when I touch on subjects like that, I'll get comments from people that are like, yeah, but we're going to wipe ourselves out in a hundred years or something. I like that." You know? and, 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 the, and, and I want to be like, oh yeah, yeah. But at the same time, Stephen Hawking's been saying stuff like that. You know, like some really smart people have been saying we're going down a really, you know. Stephen Hawking a path that we're kind of screwed.
1: he is, he is a cosmologist. Um, he is a genius. <laughs> is kind of, you know, I mean, I don't even why do I say that? Everybody knows Hawking's very smart. Um, yeah. and of course it can apply their brain to stuff other than their field, right? Yeah. Um, and he makes some fair points, right? But I think he's been a little bit doom and gloom of of, of late in the last 10 years ago um you know it doesn't mean his points might not turn out to be valid but many of the things he says about things like the foamy paradox he was just saying something that somebody said 30 or 40 years ago i don't think he was claiming it as his own but hawking said it so now it's big news sure yeah uh, even if he had just gotten done saying something like well back in the 70s they had said hawking says you know yeah. uh, we should always pay attention to what people like him have to say on these things but we also always have to create with a grain of salt that um you know, they, they don't have a magic you know, crystal ball in the future either, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there's nothing new about the idea that the world might come crashing to an, you know, to an end someday. And my usual attitude on that is if it does, you'd probably deserved it. You know, if you can't fix <laughs> the problems you make, then maybe it's best to just give it that right there. But I think that we have a good track record for eventually getting our all, all, uh, shit together and fixing yeah. these problems. The problems so.
0: And that's, that's that's the direction I've been going down a little bit on my channel lately is is that, um, you know, I've been talking about automation taking jobs and that kind of thing. And with the rise of uh, artificial intelligent bots and whatnot, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that we're going to completely collapse as a civilization, although it could happen. I mean, I it's happened
1: it's before. Time time. I mean, that's the interesting thing is people always say, Civilizations all oh, fall. Look at Rome. I say, well, okay, let's look at Rome. I was there about ten years back. Beautiful city. That's <laughs> that's the capital. You know? So, so let's, yeah, let's look at Rome. I think they were down now for about twenty years before they became the center of civilization for a big chunk of the water again. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, we we definitely have our cycles. We have our, our our dips, and I I think there's reason to be concerned that that might be happening again. um, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic. Maybe you are even more optimistic than I am that we are a species that can overcome these things and, and keep moving forward.
1: I always assume there's a chance we're going to take ourselves out. You know, it could happen. Um, But, you know, and you should never just say, "Oh, we've always fixed problems in the past so we can just lie back and take it easy. You take that kind of mindset as like, ah, this will fix itself. (laughs) it always has the past. And that's, you know, when that steamroller comes over and hits you because you didn't do anything to stop it. But uh, I am always pretty confident that if we put our effort into it, keep ourselves, you know, hard working on these problems, yes, we'll fix them. And if we don't, then there's probably nothing else we could have done anyway. There yeah. could be examples where no matter what you do, you're screwed. If that's the case, why worry about it? You know? I've never been a big fan of nihilism. <laughs> so, um,
0: So I was in New Mexico last week. And one of the places that I went, you know, it's, there's, it's one of the most. Um, what were they saying? It's the longest continuously inhabited area in North America, or something like that. Like the, there was a a native um, outpost there, whatever you want to call it, dwelling in the year 900.
1: Oh, long. Okay, we okay. okay.
0: Yeah, and then like in the Spanish came
1: something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but but like they have these um these petroglyphs that we went and saw that are you know carved into these volcanic rocks and stuff which apparently there's a giant super volcano under new mexico that i didn't know was there which is fascinating but anyway uh my my wife loves it i'm just such a dork we we go we go on vacation and i'm just like look at these volcanic rocks there used to be a volcano here you know um she loves it no but uh anyway but like the, just the idea that there were these there were these cultures that had you know, made these marks and these rocks, and even the native people that were there for hundreds of years, they didn't know where they came from. You know, it's it's just the civilization that yeah, existed like, uh, back then. Uh, and...
1: too, right? uh, it was uh, always, oh, who, there must have been some great civilization that once lived here on Easter Island because uh, they must have made these heads. And the funny thing about that is they'd forgotten that they made them with the technology they had um, because they had uh, golden age themselves. They said it must have been a more powerful civilization in the past, right? You know, and uh no it was you it's like with people saying with the uh you know the aliens must help us build the pyramids and I say, well yeah, i don't see why that that's necessary, but if you want a golden age civilization, fair enough. Um but uh yeah they you know people forget with uh in a lot of places in Mesoamerica, they actually were ahead of the curve on technology mm-hmm. compared to like Europe and Asia uh in a bunch of places. But they never, never broke into like the Iron Age, and they are just certain technologies you just can't progress with. And uh, I'm sure they would have eventually, but you know, would that take another century? Would that take another ten thousand years? What happens with civilizations with technology is very unpredictable. Until you kind of get addicted to it, like we have now. Um, from about the 16th century on, you know, we've had this thing for technology, and we put a lot of passion into it. Uh, I think once you hit all points, yes, you are on that road. Just keep doing it. Um, though that could change, you know, we occasionally have people who get very Luddite about technology that could spread out, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it will Though, I hope not. <laughs>
0: I had, um, I get a lot of flat earthers on my
1: comments. Uh, Cody has been getting a bunch of them too. I, I don't know. Maybe they got like a, a, a trade guild or union. Yeah.
0: They're, they're, they're Yeah. And they all use capped lock for every comment. Uh, but I, it's because now like on Facebook amongst my friends, I'm, I'm sharing some of these comments. It's like, Oh, I just can't even, you know? And, and so now they're like, Hey, I saw this flat earther thing. Look at this, Joe. And I'm like, no, stop sharing this with me. I don't need to know more about it. But there was, um, there was one that this person shared with me and I was looking at it and this person was going on about how, science has been lying to us for years and scientists all have this agenda and all, and you hear the same kind of thing with, with climate change people as well that, you know, scientists are all lying for some reason. The, the attitude that I get <laughs> when I hear that is then you need to get off your computer mm. and go live in a cave somewhere if science is so terrible, and if you're so against science, then you shouldn't
2: How are you be able, able to
0: use the. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: you shouldn't be able to benefit from all the work that the scientists have done all these years. If it's if you're going to be so against them, I mean, I think that's I, just me so ranting I, right
1: I, now. I try to I try to look at you know from the assumption of where where what, why are these people thinking this in the first place? Um, odds all the vast majority of these people are fairly intelligent and otherwise decent human beings. Mm-hmm. Something has happened that makes them, you know, have a basic assumption that this stuff has to be a lie. Once you make that assumption, you're in a good position to come with reasons why that's the case. Um, You know, I always take it really personally when people say something about the moon hoaxes, right? Because, you know, that's not just saying um, that the government lied to us. That's actually saying people I know and was trained by are liars, you know? (laughs) And um, so, you know, but you try to put that on the side and then say, these guys don't know that and that for whatever reason they've convinced themselves that this is not true and maybe they're not even thinking about it too much you know um uh, well the mind, you know, mind is
0: a justification machine once you decide that something is yes. true it'll find you very good at reason. rationalizing
1: away these things yeah and if you if you check with most people you will find um something they do that's like that i don't even worry about my people i'm content to my hypocrisy um i'm <laughs> gonna list the top 25 conspiracy theories down there most of us are going to have to check at least one of those boxes and th- that's just the ones that are very easily disprovable you know yeah. uh yeah. or i believe that's uh, a little bit messed up like um your sugar causes hyperactivity uh be being cold can give you a cold uh the pyramids used to be used for grain. a lot of people will know you know they just but they hold that and they never checked it you know yeah and you hear stuff and you just don't you know it's there it's a fact right um, we don't uh, have time to go through and check every last fact, especially when we've got things to do, you know. Mm-hmm. For you and I, we have to, you know, we have these things that we cover, so we're going to dig into them.
2: Right. Most
1: of the time, people can't spend that much time; they've got other things to do with their life, and it gets stuck in their head, and it builds up that thing of rationalization. So, I have no idea how to fix that. Of course, you know, the whole try to get people pro science or anti sciences. Beyond me to fix, but it is obviously a problem.
0: You know? Yeah, I feel like in, in 1995, when people were talking about the internet, it was like, now everyone can
1: have a voice. Oh, I know. In 2017, it's like, oh, everyone has a voice. When I did an episode on post scarcity, I put conditions down that would have to be true. I usually try to avoid, um, to qualify as a post scarcity civilization, I usually try to avoid commenting on anything societal, you know? Mm. Uh, but one of the ones I added in there was access to the ability to get a- accurate information and discern it from inaccurate information. That has to be a qualification of a post scarce civilization. Um because and that's something we definitely don't have now. And that's uh, a new thing.
0: That's never really been a real problem before. You
1: well know, when you look at a lot of the old newspapers from like the uh you know pre modern times you can you know they 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 tend to have a lot of garbage in them too well the
0: the yellow uh, journalism sure yeah. Uh,
1: a lot of it was even the ones that weren't too yellow officially. Um <laughs> I but I always... guess,
0: like I mean, I guess where I'm coming from there is that whether it was true or not, we were all on the same page, basically, um,
1: yes, whereas you
0: know, now everybody kind of has their own set of facts around them
1: that is you know I mean for, when it's for better or for worse. it's great when everything's correct, but when it's not correct, it probably is good to have that dissension of 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 uh yeah. thoughts on, that kind of thing. So that, you know, if, if we're not all believing something that's not true, and, um, and that could happen. Um, I like to think it didn't happen too much. It certainly seems to happen a lot these days. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is new technology to people. This is the first generation of people living on the Internet. Yeah. And, um, you know, it takes time for things like that to, uh, to kind of um,
0: uh, work itself out.
1: Yes, I was yeah. going to say for men, but that's not quite the word What I was thinking <laughs> of, they <laughs> Seems to be doing quite a lot of that already. Um, well, so you said
0: something a second ago. I want to jump back to it real quick about that. You know, people that I guess worked on on the moon landings uh, or the, the anybody
1: moon. anybody who studies in physics has a professor who worked on either the Apollo missions or the Manhattan Project or uh, they, not so many from the Manhattan Project these days. Just there's just not that many, of them, you know. But they yeah. used all yeah. of them. If you were a physicist in the 40s, you were almost certainly uh, at the Manhattan Project. <laughs> what in, uh, in the 50s and 60s, you were probably either designing rockets or right. uh, rockets for some uses, be it ICBM or parlor. Um, so, you know, you, you know a fair number of them. and um, uh, I also had a chance where I was working with the Air Force for a while um, when I was a teenager. I met quite a few of the people who were involved in that from the Air Force side of things. Um and of course the, that was at my past and they have a lot of NASA equipment there to to do the space program. Uh and you know, those are people my, you know, teachers over the years, I respect them enormously, you know. I'm never going to assume anything they say was automatically true. But <laughs> I you know, they weren't gonna lie to me about stuff like that. Sure. The notion that they would is just you know, it's it's deeply offensive, you know, but the people saying it don't mean to offend that way, so you can't really take it that way, you
0: know. Yeah. Um, well, so like, um, you say you studied physics. I wanted to talk just a little bit about your, 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 past and what, you know, inspired you to kind of launch this channel and get into these topics the way you do. So, so can you talk a little bit about that? Like where, where, you, where all this kind of came from, what you studied and
1: what was the inspiration for it? Well, I was in physics when I was, uh, i started college when I was pretty young and I, uh, stuck around for grad school for a couple of years. I was in biophysics at the time. And it wasn't working out as, you know, it wasn't, I was losing a little bit of that passion for it, right? So I said, take a break, you know, before you either, you know, get frustrated with this or force yourself into a career you don't like. And I decided, I need a job that's a lot less stressful. So I went off and joined the army during wartime. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that ironically, but it actually was less stressful for quite some time. Wow. Um, and then when I got out of that, I came home, went into like local politics and governance. And I wanted to um, kind of flex the science muscle on the side because I just wasn't using it that much other than doing analysis, which is very boring analysis and uh, nothing too science-related. So I ended up making one of the original videos, megastructures, and and there were other factors. You know how these things are. There's always many things going on at the time. And it did horribly. But I was... Like everybody's first video does. Yeah. I was amazed that I had like a hundred views on it. So I said, what the heck, let's do another one. This was months later. Um, and that of course was the Dyson dilemma. And, uh, and months later I did another one. And then, you know, that just started rolling in there. Mm. But it was a chance to use a lot of stuff. I just, you know, I still kept up with my field, obviously. You don't need you never really leave your field behind. Um, but I wasn't in it. And so it was a chance to actually, excuse me, to do some of that, some more. and I think that's what kind of hooks me back into it. So it's well, been nice to actually have a chance to uh, to use that part of the of the brain again, put that degree to work, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: well, in terms of your um of your channel, I just wanted to say this, and I kind of regret saying it before I or, or getting into the subject before I even say it, but um you know you, you do have the the speech impediment. Yes. Yeah. And. I guess where I'm going with this is that like, there's, there's so many people that come up to me all the time that are like, I want to start a YouTube channel, but this excuse, that excuse, and the other excuse. And, I forward, you know? Well, I'm, about, I, I'm I'm looking at you and it's like, you have every reason in the world to not put your voice out there,
1: Oh yeah. you know, but, but you and did I, it I did anyway. Quickly the ovation style too. So the focus. It, yeah, and it's in, in an ovation like, style. Um, you know, all they can heal is just my voice with video overlays. You think that would be the part I'd avoid, or I'd be one of those people who use the, um, the voice to uh, text thing, and, or text a speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funniest thing about this is sometimes I say, well, maybe he's trying to prove that you can do it anyway. No, I actually thought about using narrators. The audience didn't like it. But originally, <laughs> it just hadn't occurred to me because I, I do a fair amount of public speaking and people get used to the voice fairly quickly. Sure, sure. Uh, it's you will know, an issue
0: all after comments,
1: 10 five, minutes. You know, right? I get negative comments about it. We all get negative comments on channels. Yeah. Uh, I had never gotten negative comments about my voice before the channel so I knew I had a speech impediment I knew what it had gave people problems hearing me occasionally But I didn't think it was that much of a concern so I just went ahead and did it
2: yeah
1: um and uh I'm glad I didn't switch over to using an aerator I thought about it um for a while but they talked me out of it and I'm kind of glad I did I think it's probably helped me more to speak better but you know other people can do the same material, they can use their own voice for that. I prefer to read my own scripts, it's just, it feels more natural that way. It's it's yeah. in somebody else's voice, do the right voice and, you know, just kind of emerge that way. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I tell people if they're thinking about doing a YouTube channel, just go ahead and try it because whatever it is, you know, it can't be too much worse than a speech impediment for a voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but that's the
0: thing with you 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 are the excuse destroyer like <laughs> like anybody that says i can't do it for this reason or that reason i don't like how i look on camera or something it's like you you have no excuse like mm-hmm. there, there's no reason not to do it unless you just don't want to do it if that's
1: always the option but... it's always easy to find reasons not to do something you've been thinking about doing and we've all yeah. done that too i'm sure um but uh uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where if you really want to do it, you're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. Um, yes, if you're if you're five foot one, you probably are never going to be an NBA player. I right? guess. <laughs> um, but you could still get to be much better than the majority of the population at basketball. Yeah. Uh, if you want, you know, if you're sitting there saying, "I don't want to play basketball. I want to play basketball so badly, but I just don't, I'm just not tall enough for it." Again, you're probably never going to make the NBA, but you know, why give up on that dream just because?
0: If you, you know? love it, just go ahead and
1: do it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen there? You know, we all start these channels as hobbies. I don't think any of us ever expect to be where we're at, you know, but uh, I mean, I do know some people start like, soon I'm going to have an audience of millions. <laughs> Maybe some people have started out that way and that's actually what happened, but typically speaking. <laughs> It's something you just felt like trying out and it just kind of, you know, you you just keep doing it, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and if it grows, it grows. and If it doesn't, I assume some people do stop if they're not doing too well at it. But, you know, I the first year, you've got to be willing to go through that first year where you just have no audience. But mm-hmm. what you do have, you're so amazed when you get a couple of notes from YouTube telling you, you got a new subscriber. You know, it's like, wow, I got two subscribers today. Awesome. <laughs> Um, and uh, you, now, you know, it was a
0: big deal for me when I had to turn off the notification because I was yeah. just it was just happening so much and I was it was like running down my phone battery and it was kind of like cool I've, I've reached that point now where I can you know
1: uh, I wish there was a better way with the notifications because I sometimes lose track of comments on older videos now because they just don't come through but mm. um, yeah I mean that's the you know the notifications on that it's it's really cool early on you're getting a couple of them well, or three or four of a day or you look down, and they and Your entire inbox is full of new subscribers and comments, um, and uh, that, to me, is actually you know, that's a, a quite an accomplishment. You, know, you get to the point where there are a thousand people who want to listen to you talk about something. Yeah, what about that? You know, that's that's more than most professors will ever have in a classroom. You know, yeah, um, most public speakers who draw big audiences don't get there. Only when you start comparing it to television, right? national television is not all that you know they <laughs> really got a million viewers for a bad day on that but local tv local radio the yeah, audience of a few thousand or you know fifty thousand something like that that's very good you know? mm-hmm. so this new medium allows you to go to that area but it doesn't have to go that far you could just make videos that a hundred people watch on gardening and and it's like being part of a gardening club um You know, I don't see why everyone has to go to that extreme and try to go for a huge audience. That's not what, you know, that's the bad goal to go for in my mind. Yeah. Figure out where, you know, what you want to do. And if people like it, they'll come. If not, keep doing it anyway. You know.
0: Well, you're doing a lot of things right. I mean, as, as somebody that kind of does this for a living now, it's kind of my job and I've, you know, been to all these seminars and whatnot. Like you, I mean, you're, you're nailing it. And, um, your your work is fantastic i've I've been enjoying following it and uh and i i admire you for uh for your you know your gumption and your courage and your intelligence and all that kind of stuff and and uh and i'm glad that we got to do this actually because you know the the email thing is fun but actually having a conversation with somebody is is really
1: cool and because you know we've exchanged a lot of emails down the uh, last year or so and of course we see each other all the time on screen but we've never spoken live before so it was actually a pretty fun experience it's it's uh surprisingly relaxed though, so I'm glad <laughs> Well uh,
0: you should know that on my um in the video today I, I announced that I was gonna be that we we're gonna be doing this. And in one of the comments uh the guy said that you're what's that?
1: I saw it, yeah. <laughs> what's that? Oh, I saw the video. Yeah.
0: Oh the video. Well one of the comments was a guy saying that uh Isaac Arthur is way smarter than you, you're out of your league. Oh. <laughs> so I felt like I had to bring it.
1: <laughs> well, I'm flattered. You, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's, that's just being a bit of a troll. I I appreciate their fondness. for me. You know, <laughs> so.
0: I'm just saying like the, the pressure was all on this side.
1: It's a very relaxed conversation. I enjoyed a lot. So yeah.
0: Well, um, we've been going for an hour, so I guess uh, we can kind of wrap it oh, up. Good place uh, to wrap up. Unless yeah. there's something else that that you wanted to chat about that I didn't hit on. Wh- what's your next video about?
1: Uh. For me paradox we're going to be looking at the conditions just on Earth for what might make it uh you know unlikely to have life we're going to stop pretty much when life begins and just go through the planetary conditions
0: sweet so we were talking about that earlier yeah, yeah. that's funny
1: yeah every conversation seems to come back to whatever i'm doing this week on a video anyway though because because it's just, <laughs> not, you know, it's 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 just
0: so in there yeah it
1: becomes ditto conversation <laughs> Uh, though it is a downside, of course, what we do is we don't get a spend a year or two making a film. We got to do it every week. So there's always yeah. that risk of, of uh, not giving it your whole heart. And, uh, it's a grind,
0: man. Yeah,
1: but it's fun, isn't it? It's, it isn't is? it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yes, it is exhausting, but I mean, I, this has probably been the funnest year of my life. You know, so, <laughs> um, and I love,
0: and I'm sure you get this too, I can't imagine you don't, but I, I get some comments from people every once in a while that are just like, I've been going through a really hard time and there's something about watching your videos that just brightens my week and and it's just like
1: it was the best kind yeah, yeah
0: i mean the the fact that you can just do something and put it out there and it really messed me up for a while I, I like to tell this story that um i started getting all these comments from people that were like oh your your video changed my life somehow right That's
2: uh right. It was a really and,
0: and i would, It got into my head a little bit to where when I was making videos, it wasn't just enough to be funny and interesting. I had to change someone's life, you know, and they started to suck. So I had to kind of, it it was a weird trippy thing to just kind of like get over that and say, well, whatever it is that they're getting out of it, it's something you're just naturally doing, whether you think you're doing it or not. And it's not even really in of your business what they're getting out of it. It's just happening, so just keep doing it,
1: you know. Somebody reads a book and you have a message in there, everyone puts a message in their book, and they come up to you afterwards and they say, Here's what I got out of your book you say, That wasn't actually the message I had there, but uh, you're okay, that's what you got out of it. It's just as valid as what I was writing. Mm-hmm. I you know, I've had people write me about um, I think the ones that really get me although the the two types that get me the most is uh, somebody writes in with a speech impediment saying, you know, I've always had this, I've been afraid to talk. Now I'm I'm trying more. That's awesome. You can't complain about that. That That is really cool. Truth be told, it was the side factor of me not using a narrator as I was just about to do that. I got one of those messages, like, and now I'd be a traitor if I did that. (laughs) And the other kind of question, when someone says, "Um, you know, I've been watching this and it's really building my interest in this, and I'm going to go and major in this now, you know? And that's, you can never have too many scientists. So, yes, thank you. I'm really glad to hear that um but it is you know it can be a little overwhelming some of the messages you get from people and i think that you do have to kind of separate yourself off on because you you know you have those days we just get a ton of those um it kind of grabs at you good or bad you know it, it's it's one of those things where to continue doing the walk you've got to separate yourself out a bit before and not think about that because there you start trying to put really profound messages into what you're discussing and that can, you know, the lighthearted aspect, you're better at that than I am, but I still try to make my videos a little bit lighthearted at times. And that can really, you can lose that when you are trying too hard to put a message in or to, yeah. to make it deep and profound, you know? it's if it's there, let it be there naturally. You know? Yeah.
0: I just felt like that was something with all the YouTubing that I've done and listening to YouTubers talk and stuff, that was something I'd never um, heard. Was how much the good comments can kind of mess you up,
1: <laughs> you know? And they can. No. I mean, it, it's. I mean, obviously, you, you kind of learn to get thick skin against the negative comments. You right. them, you, know, yeah. you know. We um, all know about those. And so you, you get pretty hard against those. Though you can always get that one that gets you anyway. and You're just like ah, but the ones that are very positive in some way, those can eat you up even more. Not in a bad way, but they they they, they you know they go right in the audience. It's uh, it can make your day. Right? You know how yeah. those, sometimes you get that one. It's like. On cloud nine for the rest of the day, but it also really gets you too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, probably a good thing, but uh, in small quantities. I can always I always worry about getting a big head from doing this stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I you know I I don't see it too much with a lot of the channels, but obviously you see a lot with actors or you know anybody who's a celebrity yeah. or anything. It's this big swell of head, and uh, we always want to stay away from those. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's always important to read the negative comments too, because those will definitely uh, help you with that problem.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? You wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah,
1: I make myself stop reading any of the messages from the channel so I'd already had at least a cup of coffee in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I try really hard to not just grab my phone and start reading comments, but I'm pretty bad about it. Sometimes it's not a good way to start the day. Because no, <laughs> it I, come I, in waves. Sometimes I'll get like just several just people just piling on out of nowhere. I'm like, what is going on?
1: Uh, it's those are the times you gotta like make yourself only check your messages while, um, you know, do a filter window so it separates those out once a day. Although I never follow that rule right? it's at least two or three times a day going in there and trying to clear the queue. Yeah. But uh you know it's it's 'cause you wanna read what people are saying about your stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. You wanna see how it affected them, you wanna see how they absorbed it. You, even, you know, you were a little bit narcissistic, so you wanna hear people say that was great. <laughs> but, <laughs> But you can, you can easily burn hours of time trying to apply to everything and, um, yeah. and you want to apply to everything and you know, tell them, you know, an answer more than just, thanks. I, I love that new little bun they got with the little heart shape you do as a cradle, because that way you can at least let them know that you uh, you saw their comment. Um, yeah. But, you know, you try to apply to each one of these things, there's no time to make a video because you're just applying the old ones.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah well um let's try to wrap this up uh, is there any uh, any place you want to tell people to go find you on uh, the twitters and the you got a website right
1: uh, yeah yeah um it's uh isaac i-s-a-a-c uh Arthur, if you can you know, never pronounce my own last name right so i don't know why i bother of course <laughs> their youtube channel is easier to find uh always glad i have a on facebook too uh that group's got up to ten thousand members and it's a nice place to have conversations at. So um, easy to find all of them. It's always got my name in it. So. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I'll wrap this up. Isaac, I, I really do appreciate this, man. Hopefully we can do it again sometime.
1: Oh, it was a lot of fun. So I would like that. All right. Cool.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this. And I want to thank Isaac one more time for taking the time to do this. I really enjoyed it. We could have talked for hours and I'm sure we will someday and uh, hopefully I'll have him back on here and we can talk about some, some more stuff. If you'd like to follow what I'm doing, you can find me at answerswithjoe.com. You can also find me at, at Answers with Joe on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. And, of course, if you're not familiar with my YouTube channel, if you somehow have come across this podcast and you don't know that I have a YouTube channel, that's the, mostly what I do, you can just find uh, me at answerswithjoe on YouTube. So thanks for listening. You guys go out there and have an eye-opening week, and I will see you next time. Love you guys. Take care.